0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Day Daydreaming Rose podcast and my name is Yaro. I'm super excited to have you. I'm really grateful for your patience because it's been a little while and I'm really excited to share this conversation with Janelle Hardy, whom I've known for about a year um, and which was incredibly beautiful. So I want to be really honest, I had a couple of really busy weeks and so this is why this is coming late. And also when we recorded this, I was really tired and yet it turned out really beautiful because Jenna just ran with my questions she had so much beautiful stuff to share and her tools just come together so beautifully to kind of really support intentions that I care about a ton so we talked about weaving storytelling bodywork and visual art into transformative healing we talked about her program around personal myth making which is coming up in August and I highly highly recommend that you check that out we also talked about podcasting as a way to build community. I asked Jenna what embodiment means to her and her answer was amazing. Uh, we talked about how we can unlearn body hate and restrictive movement patterns. And we shared some thoughts about emotional body awareness and many other things. So yeah, I really recommend you um, check Jenna out. She's amazing and the links are all in the show notes. And yeah, I think that's almost all I have to say. Um, As always, the podcast is sponsored by my Patreons. You can learn more and become a Patreon at patreon.com slash daydreamingwolves. Um, If you do become a Patreon, you'll receive a monthly ritual kit. There's always a different theme, and there's always different things in it, but there's always a uh, tarot spread, a pep talk from me, a herbal recipe that's really easy to do, and then there are self-care practices and ritual ideas. Um, The theme for August is going to be intuition, and I'm also adding a uh, little PDF booklet with my favorite tarot spreads this time. Um, You guys have asked about them a couple of times, and I wanted to kind of have them all in one place so I can share them with you. Yeah, I'm super excited to share that. Again, you can find out more at patreon.com slash daydreamwolves, and I will also leave that link in the show notes. And if you have a minute, I would also really appreciate a review on iTunes. Thank you so much, enjoy the episode, and have a really beautiful day. Hey everyone, I have someone really beautiful on the show today, Janelle Hardy is with me. I've known her for over a year myself and yeah, I'm just really excited to share this conversation because whenever we talk, really cool stuff comes out. We have a ton in common and Jenna really cares about things that I love and talk about a lot on the show anyway, such as embodiment and creative expression and finding ways of working with our own stories um, that are empowering and insightful and beautiful and intuitive. So yeah, I've met Janelle, um I think over a year ago in a Facebook group and we formed a mastermind with two other people and have been in it for maybe nine months I might be wrong but I think that's kind of roughly how long it's been and yeah we're meeting regularly to talk about business and dreams and how we can make all of that happen and it's a really beautiful way to have some group accountability so I hope we'll dive a little bit more into that in the conversation Um, and then the other thing I want to say is that I also had a session with Janelle recently on creative unblocking and learned a really beautiful technique that Um, yeah I'm still applying and feel really grateful for and I'm also taking one of her courses around anger. Um, Yeah so it was really great to experience her work not just as someone who's in a mastermind with her but also as a client and yeah I just feel really um, blessed and honored that she's here and I'm excited to talk so I'm going to hand it over to you Janelle now to let us know who you are where you are in the world and what nature like is around you.
1: Hi, um, in the world right now, I am mm-hmm. in a town called Vernon in mm-hmm. the Okanagan Valley in BC, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and to orient yourself geographically, it's about 450 kilometers northeast of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, And the land that I'm living on is the traditional territory of the Silks people, Mm -hmm. traditional and unceded territory. I'd like to add a lot of um, first nations, native American indigenous claims in colonized countries um, Mm -hmm. are truly stolen land and unceded. So Canada Mm -hmm. is still, uh, going through trying to untangle its deceitfulness in relation with a lot of First Nations. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? I lost track
0: of the other questions you had. (laughs) Sorry. It's a very long kind of three in one (laughs) question. Um, I was wondering if you can share a little bit about what nature is like around you right now. Oh, okay. Um, It's
1: the middle of summer right Mm -hmm. now. it's July that we're talking and the Okanagan Valley is actually one of the hottest driest places in Canada Mm -hmm. and um, it's actually very well known for being a stunning wine growing and fruit growing region and what that means is that there's trees and forests but there's also an incredible amount of um, kind of rolling hills that are covered with this golden sagebrush and golden green grass and then kind of cupped in most of the valleys are these stunning bright blue lakes. So I live very close to a lake called Kalamalka Lake, which was just voted the 10th most beautiful lake in the world. Mm. I'm not sure how they judged their criteria, (laughs) but it is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then not that far away as well is Okanagan Lake, which is a really big lake, um, which in the summer times I grew up playing and swimming in because my uh, dad's family lived down here and we would make the two-day drive from the Yukon Territory, the far north of Canada where I grew up, Mm -hmm. down here to a little town called Peachland. Mm-hmm. And the Okanagan Lake is known for having the Ogopogo monster. Ooh, mm-hmm. that? Kind of like the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, cool. But I've never seen the Ogopogo, and I don't know anyone who has. Oh, actually, no, I did have a conversation with a woman, not from here, who mentioned thinking she saw it when she was fishing on the lake years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Kind of some cool folklore, cool yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are professionally, if that makes sense? I know that's a weird way of bringing <laughs> this question, but you know, what, what do you do in the world, and what are you most excited about in your work?
1: Yeah, so I'm one of those people that finds everything fascinating, which can be a problem, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, it means I'm never really bored, but also uh, can sometimes feel pulled in too many directions. But having said that, now that I'm 39, almost 40, I think all these interests have really coalesced beautifully. So, what I do in the world is transformational healing work, and I've spent most of my life being an artist. I've spent almost 12 years doing hands-on bodywork it's um, called structural integration Mm -hmm. which is also known as rolfing r-o-l-f that's the Mm -hmm. more well-known version of what i do um and so these interests in creativity in creating in embodiment in healing and also in fairy tales and mythology and folklore have all kind of circled together into this work that I do um, online, which is transformational memoir writing. So I teach a four-month e-course and writing circle called The Art of Personal Mythmaking, mm-hmm. in which you, I, I guide you through a process of writing the first draft of your memoir with ease by examining your life story using themes and ancient tales such as fairy tales uh, and embodiment prompts um, in community with a circle of women and people that identify as women um, to transform and heal basically (laughs) stuck spots, you know, grudges against yourself or or really hurt places in how we frame and understand our life and our life's path and life's journey. Mm-hmm. So that by the end of the four months, people kind of step out of the process with a lot of tools and skills to continue their healing journey, but also to understand themselves in more beautiful, more mythic ways. Mm-hmm. So that feels like my life's work, personal myth-making.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm really, yeah, that,
1: yeah. It's it's really fun.
0: Yeah. I struggled to find the right words, but it's, yeah, I can tell from knowing you from the mastermind and from having experienced your work a little bit, that this is a really beautiful experience. And I'm excited for anyone who gets to do it with you. Yeah. So that's happening once a year and it's live. Is that right? And um, is that every year at the same time or is that a bit flexible?
1: Um, it, right now, it, I'm planning to keep offering it twice a year. Actually, mm-hmm. in August and February, mm-hmm. it is live. Um, mm-hmm. So we do live video calls and creative the the writing prompt circles, which is one of the richest experiences ever. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to describe it because it doesn't sound like writing together in a circle on a video call is particularly special but it really is especially the way that I facilitate it Um, so it has to be experienced to really be embodied and understood but it's awesome and yeah so I run that the next round is starting August 27th and Mm -hmm. um, people get lifetime access so this is this kind of circles around to my philosophy of healing which is that we don't usually go through a process once and then we're done with it. Mm -hmm. Often what happens when we're working with themes in our life and the layers of our own selves is that it's really rich to be able to circle back into a process and Mm -hmm. be able to sort of spiral around the thing. And each time you spiral around, you're able to drop into that process in a different way or at a different layer So although it is possible to really really move through the four-month process of Mm -hmm. personal myth-making and come out with the rough draft of your memoir and have done every single thing, Mm -hmm. it's nice to have the space to be able to, say, for example, just receive, just soak up the material that I share the first time around, Mm -hmm. the second time around really focus on the writing, and so on and so forth. So I do actually have, People that are circling back in for the second time, mm-hmm. which is really exciting because I know they'll go even deeper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. I feel the same. I think um, it's so easy to feel oversaturated with material, and it's really mm-hmm. beautiful to be able to find your own pace with pace with that. But at the same time, have a little bit of really gentle accountability of it being live and there being a group and you know people that really want to show up for it. I think that's so helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, gentle accountability and people that want to show up for it. That's really key. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, You also have a podcast that I would love to talk about. Um, Can you tell us what that's mm-hmm. about and what made you started and how you're feeling with that at the moment? Oh,
1: yes. So everyone listening, Yarrow is a guest on my podcast <laughs> and it's not published at this moment, but will be mm-hmm. soon.
0: Great. <laughs> um.
1: My podcast is called the Wild Elixir Podcast, mm-hmm. and it's a podcast for personal myth makers. I interview women um, and I ask four specific questions, and the conversation unfolds for, from there. So, the four questions the first one is kind of a collection of questions that's similar to what you're doing, Yarrow, which is to orient ourselves in place and space and find out whose traditional territory. People are on, so I always ask, you know, where are you in the world? Can you describe your surroundings and whose traditional territory you're on? Which um, just feels so good to do that. Then I ask, what's your favorite ancient tale? Meaning, folklore, fairy tale, myth, um, a tale that is older than one generation, basically. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with your creativity and what's your relationship with your body like? And the conversations are so rich. They're so beautiful. It makes my heart sing to invite people onto the podcast and have these conversations. And the reason I started the podcast two years ago was that I felt like I was starving for conversations like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, those, you might have already got the sense from me talking about my work that, those are my undying fascinations right the the healing work i do is oriented around connecting to body creativity and using ancient tales and self knowing getting rooted into our our bodies as our first home our physical location as our second kind of grounded home and then our spirit and soul and how we understand the world so I just, you know, it was a purely selfish decision. I really wanted to talk more about these things, and I had this feeling that if I wanted to have these conversations, probably other people did too, and even more people would be interested in hearing um, really deep, thoughtful, delightful conversations from other people wonderful creatives and change makers and healers in the world. So, I feel like it's working so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um and I agree. I think um starting podcasts sometimes out, out of just really selfish desires to have the kinds of conversations that we want to have. Mm-hmm. Um it's beautiful and and most of I think that's true for most of the podcasts that I'm listening to at the moment and feel excited about. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. <clears throat> I would also love to know a little bit more about what embodiment means to you. So it's such a beautiful yet kind of very broad and sometimes a bit vague concept. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about, you know, how that's weaving into your work, what makes you feel alive? Like how do you experience your own embodiment and what is, what is exciting and uh, special in that at the moment? Mm.
1: Yeah. I might need reminders on all the questions so <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. good <laughs> yeah let me so okay, go ahead go ahead i'll start and then <laughs> i'll get you to fill in the blanks uh what is embodiment what does that mean to me um so this this answer is really specific to me growing up and i'm assuming many of the listeners will have a similar experience but growing up in a culture that is rooted in European colonialism, and the um, schism that is more than a thousand years old of um, considering ourselves as having separate units of being thinking minds, and being bodies, <clears throat> and having spirits and souls out there. But that also not being so important these days in our culture and our body not being that important in our culture. And so this kind of schism, you know, it comes out of a lot of different, um, different philosophies and cultural ways of life of patriarchy, of um, a certain kind of Christianity and, Um, a colonialist mentality of domination Mm -hmm. and so uh, what has happened why so many people struggle with feeling connected to their bodies is that we prioritize thinking as the highest form of knowing Mm -hmm. which means that if you're intellectualizing if you're rationalizing if you're in your head thinking and overthinking um that is prized that is rewarded that's valued and that's how we're educated if you um orient more towards body as a child and i mean as children we are just fluid beings fully inhabiting all parts of ourselves so i wouldn't even say that some are more one way than the other we're born into the world free and connected and oriented to our physical processes. So it's a learned experience of disembodying and disconnecting. And, you know, there's many real reasons why people um, uh, also dissociate to do with trauma. So I'm not trying to minimize that at all, but just setting the stage for the fact that by the time uh, people are young adults, Uh, most of us are really stuck in our heads. Most of us, particularly um, girls and women, um, are oriented around trying to control and hate and loathe and despise our bodies and um, orienting around a very narrow ideal of what physical female beauty is. And... Yeah, so I think I've I've set the depressing stage of getting stuck in our heads and disconnected from our bodies, but also um, actively hating our bodies in a Mm. lot of cases, Mm -hmm. Um, or if not hating, um, feeling like it's never good enough, never right, never correct. And Mm -hmm. so part of this also relates to patriarchy and these philosophical ideals of the feminine being connected to the body and the masculine um, being. And I know there's a a much broader spectrum than just feminine and masculine, Mm -hmm. but in these philosophical ideals, it's uh, kind of a binary idea of one thing or the other thing. And, and they can never overlap or cross. This is, these are the underlying beliefs that we are raised in. Um, And, and the, The feminine being connected with the body, being connected with Mother Earth, being less than, right? So these are often unspoken and they're deeply embodied practices of being disembodied, which is kind of ironic, but so we get to this point um, where... Life doesn't feel so good usually. I mean, being stuck in your head is an awful shitty place to be yeah. um, and mm-hmm. it's rewarded. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of us, and, and you know, if I just speak from my own personal experience, um, a lot of um, clients that come to me uh, are more women than men um, and almost every single one struggles with this, but men do struggle with it the other way um, of being trapped in their heads, um, thinking they have to control their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just less, less kind of caustic beauty standards around um, having to look good in order to be allowed to be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so the reason that I think that it's, so important embodiment work is so important is because most people have become so separated and distant from it and our bodies are our only homes in the world they mm. are literally where our consciousness and our intelligence is housed mm-hmm. so our relationship to our bodies i feel should be exceptionally important because of that that our bodies aren't you know just these vehicles for carrying or floating heads around yes.
0: um,
1: <laughs> but our bodies um are a repository for memory they're a repository for wisdom there um there's research about the g- gut brain connection and mm-hmm. how the guts are like a second brain there are um different ways of experiencing the world and um tuning into our consciousness and and uh, a sense of being alive that we cannot ca- tap into until we learn how to shed the layers of separation that we've learned. So you know it's it's like a learning process of becoming disembodied, and then a learning process, um, and this is where, What I feel my job is, um, and a lot of healers and spiritual workers, depending on the the spiritual work, but our job um, is then to teach people how to peel off the restrictions of physical holding patterns and mental holding patterns that are preventing us from feeling sensation in our body, from feeling. experience through our body from feeling joy by playing in our bodies Mm -hmm. and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) uh, I've gotten to that point and I've forgotten all the other details about embodiment. So you just asked me questions, Yarrow.
0: Yes. No, that was so beautiful. That was more so much more than I had hoped for with that initial question, to be honest. So that's great. Um maybe my next sub question would be how is embodiment weaving into your work? I know that you're practicing different modalities and I would love to see or hear a little bit. Sadly, we can't see, (laughs) but to Mm -hmm. to hear a bit about how, what that looks like in practice in your work. Okay. Um, So I think it helps
1: to talk a bit about my own background. Mm -hmm. I grew up um, doing a lot of physical things. My parents had myself and my three siblings in um, the swim club. Mm-hmm. And then they also ran a karate club. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny, uh, up in the Yukon Territory in Canada. Um, they So they ran the club. It was quite popular when I was a kid and they were both black belts. My mom taught all the kids. My dad taught the uh, teenager and adult classes with a couple other teachers from the club, and so us kids would um, be there, you know, probably three or four nights a week when Mm -hmm. we were littler, you know, not old enough that I could watch kids at home, and we used to just tear around with the other little kids screaming and laughing. It was in an old school, which um, old schools have those big, beautiful gymnasiums with the high ceilings and stages built in, right? Mm -hmm which new schools don't really have. But the stage was where we would all play and there were these huge soft, puffy mats we would drag out and fling ourselves on. So we had a lot of joy being physical in our bodies. And then as we got older, we started training in karate, which I can't say that I loved, but (laughs) I do have a solid background in martial arts. And then, I really, really loved dance, and I wanted to take a ton of dance classes. There weren't a lot available. It was quite a small, remote town. And and the other thing was my family was very poor for a long time. My parents had me when they were 18 and 21, and then three more children quickly after, Mm
0: -hmm. and they
1: had grown up in poverty as well. Mm -hmm. So they raised us beautifully. We were you know, I know we were really poor, but I don't recall feeling poor. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it means was they couldn't afford the dance classes I wanted to take for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in as a teenager, I started getting into dance. So then I was doing a lot of dance. And then I uh, was an exchange student in Japan and I joined the Kendo Club, which is a very dramatic martial art. Uh, it's basically... Samurai fencing with bamboo swords. Oh. So, yeah. If you, if you Google kendo, K-E-N-D-O, you'll see mm-hmm. some stellar, super dramatic imagery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of a painful martial art. Um, because you are actually hitting each other with the bamboo swords and wow. there's protection, but it's it hurts if you do it, if you mm-hmm. do it wrong. Um, so, and then, from there, I just kept dancing, and I ended up actually getting my master's degree in dance. But despite all of this physical activity, so here's the difference. being physical does not mean you're being in your body, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're embodied. It mm-hmm. just means you're learning how to control your body well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for some, yeah, <laughs> and for some people, they actually are able to be in their bodies while learning technique. But um, again, back to this kind of colonized colonizer country with European roots, what happens um, in the learning process in these sorts of cultures is that things get broken down into units to teach. And <clears throat> so you don't, for example, um, when you're dancing, learn the full phrase as it's performed or danced to music at full speed. You don't actually get to see that mm-hmm. and take that in and try it first. It's all broken down into tiny units
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, counted time and then built up to the, the real time expression. And, and what that really teaches is how to separate and control <laughs> everything to do with your body right so um and that's not how movement and dance and and physical practices are taught in all cultures um i i've taken a lot of african-based dance courses from a woman from senegal a woman from um shoot it was central africa was it it might have been Oh, the Democrat, Democratic Republic of Congo. So I when I mm-hmm. lived in Montreal, I I was really lucky to take um, courses from teachers rooted in their traditions in Africa. And what I learned was the teaching process was the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. um, you break things down as well, but not before you, you talk about the connection to the music and you actually try the thing as it is and... And it's a very different experience to learn how to move in your body that way. Mm -hmm. So, circling back around to my work in embodiment and healing, um, I became a single mother when I was 23, and that was kind of like the final straw, dealing with chronic fatigue, um, becoming a single mother, going to school. And the stress just, I felt like such a mess. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was really strong and... Um, my will was really forceful and my mental like, capacities being considered really smart and bright. I was really in my head. So I thought I was perfectly fine, <laughs> even though my body was saying, ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that the depth of the stress I was experiencing and, and heartbreak as well led me into receiving bodywork and so receiving the kind of body work that I actually do now is what started to kind of crack me open into understanding that I could feel more in my body than I thought I could and Mm -hmm. that I had more potential for movement and sensation and um, things that I in my head I had made up stories about how oh my back is just stiff and that's just how I'm built that Mm -hmm. actually wasn't true it was my back was so stiff because I was holding so many intense feelings in my back. And, okay. and I discovered this by receiving body work that helped to release the feelings, which was like a revelation of, Oh, those feelings, they're still in me. Mm-hmm. And now they're releasing and wow, my back feels different. What's that about? So um, I got started getting so curious and you know, my whole desire to to dance and take dance was always oriented around how good it felt to dance freely. And um, so I always carried a bit of confusion. I really loved my dance classes, but I was also a little confused as to um, why the dancing process was so broken down into units and controlled Mm -hmm. because all I just wanted to do was dance wildly and i was always waiting to get through the the technical foundations of the lessons in order for (laughs) us to to like really let loose and express our movement and we never really got to go there in the classes so all this curiosity of like little windows into intense joy and um sensation that felt so good rather than you know this angry self-loathing critical eye of looking at my body and never having it measure up Mm -hmm. those things got me curious and I think it's important to note as well with this beauty ideal um, uh, of like looking at our bodies and and feeling like oh I don't look as beautiful as the most beautiful girl on Instagram or Mm -hmm. in the magazines um, is that until about two years ago, my body, I have always been considered very pretty and my my body has been um, very tall and slim and, like, I have embodied the Western white beauty ideal mm-hmm. and I still couldn't see it because the whole point of <laughs> this dynamic of, body shame and body hate is that you never will feel like you're enough even if everyone tells you you're beautiful and look like a model mm-hmm. it will never be enough because mm-hmm. the internal dynamic is that it's still not good enough right? yeah so true and and yet so many people and myself as well strive for this ideal thinking that if we get there we can relax finally be good enough and and right now my body has changed quite a bit and I've gotten a lot um chubbier and softer and um it's a big transition it's it's neither good nor bad but it's a big transition for me in terms of how uh, how I feel in my body and how I look and the deep irony is that I'm looking at pictures of myself from Three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, and 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 what I'm thinking is, holy fuck, what a goddess! Like I was gorgeous, but do you think that I thought those things when I was in that body? Not for one second, mm-hmm. right? And this is this is a this is a really shitty, deep tragedy that so many of us are so isolated from just inhabiting our bodies and feeling mm. good enough, right? Because it's so much energy that gets diverted away from life purpose and joy and making our communities good into self-control and self-hate and mm. self in quotation mark improvement, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I <laughs> feel <so laughs> yeah. like I'm talking a lot, but um so all of these dynamics, uh, as I notice them in myself, then you know I start noticing them in my clients. And so the the body work that I've done for the last twelve years is a lot of uh, it's hands on myofascial release, deep mm-hmm. tissue work focused on releasing the fascia, which is so cool and amazing. <clears throat> um, combined with movement lessons to give people the tools and skills in sitting standing and walking to uh, in their everyday life bring themselves into alignment and and alignment is you know good posture but good posture is actually not what we think good posture is good good good, good posture being good alignment is just being balanced over our joints and um, in our bodies enough that we're in tune with the field of gravity and we're able to interact with this incredible force that holds us onto the earth in the ways our body was designed to and when mm-hmm. we bring ourselves into this state of alignment and you can think of it energetically as well because um physical posture affects the alignment of the chakras for example and so on and so forth when we bring ourselves into alignment there's better flow mm-hmm. um there's more ease we start to experience not only ourselves in our bodies differently, but ourselves in the world and ourselves in relation and interaction with others differently. Um, so <clears throat> um, I had a point, I had a point to that Oh. So bringing, supporting people also with the movement lessons, but also with the, the, the emotional body awareness, right? For example, Mm -hmm. my discovery that my stiff tight upper back had to do with feelings. I was stuffing in and holding on with an iron grip with those muscles that there's a space and freedom to let that go too. you know, Mm -hmm. tension in the jaw. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what happens if we learn how to release that and, and, speak more truly or
0: yeah.
1: what, whatever it is. You know, every, everyone's dynamic is differently what they're holding into their body. So, um, and then I also have a bachelor's degree in anthropology, which is basically the study of culture, how culture shapes us and how we um, interact as social units with each other culturally and how, I mean, really culture is everything And culture is so varied. But one of the ways that um, cultural transmission and values and learning happens is actually through ancient stories, through storytelling. So bringing in fairy tales, which I used to obsessively read when I was a kid, um, bringing in work with old stories is so fun and rich and amazing. And it also, uh, speaking of embodiment, it's not that it embodies us directly, but when we heal and reconnect with our roots of who and where we come from, and this is important even when we want to uh, push away or deny or feel ashamed of behavior of um, ancestors or Cultural ancestors. Mm -hmm. It's probably even more important. When we can come to terms with who and what we come from, we're able to drop down and root ourselves deeper in a sense of self that doesn't have to do with striving, Mm -hmm. doesn't have to do with trying to become, but has to do with being Mm -hmm. and having a foundation of self knowledge. That also allows us to settle more into our body, right? Like, I really love how Clarissa Pinkola Estes, in her book *Women Who Run with the Wolves*, talks about her own physical body and how um, she describes herself in some ways as being like shorter and much broader and rounder than some of her friends that uh, come from different backgrounds, where where they're typically long, tall, lean women. And, and she really honors her um, ancestors from whom that body type comes from and, mm. and reflects on how much her body type is who she is and um, links her to the women in those ancestral lines who have similar bodies and how this is a good thing. I, I just love how she writes about full acceptance of her body and the pride of the women on that line in how they look and how it has nothing to do with the the beauty ideal or the male gaze or or being sexy but everything to do with this is who we are and this is how who we come from and this Mm -hmm. is why we look like we look
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah, that all makes sense. Thank you so much. I was just sitting here listening, kind of dropping into a really dreamy space of l- listening and also kind of following on um, in my own head cinema, kind of illustrating what you were saying. And yeah, that was really great. Thank you. Um, You were touching on um, your background and your education. And I know you have three different degrees, which I found really interesting and also relatable because I'm also someone who just really, really loves learning and ideally Mm -hmm. would love to be in education for the rest of my life, even though I have also really complicated feelings about academia and um, gatekeeping and the structures that are in place in institutionalized education but anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) i would love to hear a little bit about your um visual art experience and education and how that is kind of weaving into the embodiment part together with um movement practices
1: Mm -hmm. okay um so i'll just expand it to the creative arts um I'm a visual artist, definitely. I really enjoy painting and collaging. Um, I've also been a dancer and choreographer. And writing is a big part of my artistic practice as well. And that, you know, that sounds like, oh, I'm a dilettante. (laughs) But um, it's not that I do all of those all at once. But I feel like when you've got a creative force... Um, or a drive to be creative. Um, For some people, it all just comes through the one medium. For other Mm -hmm. people, the medium suits the intent. Yeah. And so I find I'll go through phases where it's all about painting, um, and and then it's all about movement and dancing and creating visual patterns for other people to witness. and then it's the writing. So, so I moved through the mediums as it feels right for their creative expression. But in terms of um, training, uh, I've, you know, I, there. I think we all learn from people and from styles, whether we want to admit it or not. So, technically, you could kind of say that I'm a, a self-taught artist mm-hmm. um, because I've never done formal training. But it's actually not true that I'm self-taught because everything I've learned has come from um, noticing what I like in other people's art, mm-hmm. um, taking workshops here and there, and then doing the practice of it. You know, mm-hmm. so so there's there's practicing making art by doing it, but there's also um, looking at art and taking workshops and learning from people that are a few steps ahead of you Mm -hmm. in whatever way it is. And um, luckily I think a lot of towns have community art centers and even online now there's a lot of fun little workshops you can access. So uh, I feel like if I don't honor the creative drive um, and the spark towards making art, I'm a miserable human being. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that the hard way by trying to shut those impulses down and be practical and, you know, like Mm -hmm. get a job job and be the responsible single mother who's just focused on paying the bills and raising her child. And, Mm -hmm. and again, this is a twisted up little idea we have in our cultures that somehow the creative is less valuable. (laughs) And when I make art in whatever way, when I'm, paying attention to the world and I'm tuning in and then I'm also making space for quiet uninterrupted time where I can tap into that creative energy and make beauty sometimes make messes you know like learning is not necessarily a pretty process <laughs> yeah but play right um, yeah messy play everything feels better yeah so that's why I make art, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm not sure if I really answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you did. And I wish everyone could see the painting that I usually see behind you when we're on call, oh. <laughs> because it's really beautiful. So I would really recommend everyone uh, to check your website out and to see if there's anything that can be seen there. I'm not totally sure. Are there any of your paintings on your website? Um, I actually they're
1: not up right now, but mm-hmm. on Instagram, mm-hmm. you can see all my the portraits I did from the Style Like You project. I have mm-hmm. a hashtag, um, which maybe I'll email you and you can yes. share somehow. But if you find me on Instagram, it's Janelle Hardy Art, mm-hmm. and you'll have to scroll down a bit, but you'll start to see these bright, colorful portraits of beautiful people at some point Mm -hmm. and then if you click on one you can click the hashtag and there's about 80 of those portraits oh wow Mm -hmm. it was a 100 day project I did two years ago that I'm almost done (laughs) (laughs) wow who
0: are all these people
1: okay so have you ever heard of style like you no oh my gosh Yarrow, you're gonna fall in love you will never (laughs) leave this rabbit hole (laughs) and everyone listening like they are, okay. I'm, I'm going to be a, like a fangirl here. Okay. They're a mother daughter duo in New York. Mm-hmm. The mother, I believe, was a fashion stylist in her younger years and mm-hmm. is very slim and conventionally um, pretty. Mm-hmm. And then her daughter is tall and much mm-hmm. curvier. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe, if I'm getting the story right, I would suggest going to the website and making sure. But mm-hmm. they started this project called "Style Like You" five or seven years ago when she was in her early twenties, the daughter, mm-hmm. as a, a fun project as a way to support the daughter um, moving through um, all, all, all you know all the things I was just talking about: shame mm-hmm. and, and self hate, and you know not really feeling good in the body that you have. And so they started interviewing really stylish, interesting people. Mm-hmm. And it's turned into this whole movement. It's such a beautiful movement. Um, so when I discovered them, they had started doing a video interview series called The What's Underneath Project. It's very yeah? Yes, I Did know, you know?
0: yes, mm-hmm. but go ahead, tell us more, yes.
1: Yeah, so the What's Underneath project, they started inviting people to a very straightforward format, a wooden stool in front of a plain wall, they're behind the cameras, and the guest starts out sitting on the stool talking about their life, and slowly as they talk, they take off items of their clothing until they're in their underwear, so the... Mm-hmm the tagline is true style lies in what's underneath Mm -hmm. and it is one of the most beautiful and inspiring series i think they've got close to 150 of these interviews now and you can find Mm -hmm. them on youtube but i really recommend like go through their website get to know Mm them um buy their book if if it calls to you they're Mm -hmm. doing incredible creative empowering work and Mm they they uh they invite such a, a wonderful range of diversity of body shapes and um, gender identities and people with different kinds of abilities and different mm-hmm. backgrounds. Some are, some are plus size models and some are actors and some mm-hmm. are um, lawyers. And, but all of them have a really unique style and it's so fascinating to see them start out in their style to slowly get down to their underwear, so then their style is in them being in their bodies and just being really real and honest. And um, so that a series has many times lifted my spirits when I've
0: felt down on myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds incredible, and I can tell already that some of my weekend is gonna go that way. Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, a couple. Almost three years ago, actually, I decided to do, no, it was two years ago. I had some extra time and I really wanted to get painting again. And I also wanted to get better at portraits. And I thought, oh, I bet there's a hundred of these um, interviews online by now. I'm going to check. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, you know, I could just choose, my constraints were to choose an image that they shared on Instagram from the videos to just mm-hmm. choose the image that was most compelling to me. Mm-hmm. and And, as a series, it would look really beautiful because they had a consistency to their interview style mm-hmm. and and so then, I just you know went through and screenshot the, the photos of the interview subjects and started painting and then, wow. with each painting, I got to watch the video and like be refreshed
0: yeah i will definitely i want to see both the videos and also your portraits that sounds really amazing and like what a beautiful way to extend a project and work with that and just go for it that's amazing thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. um before we say goodbye, I would love to know what you're currently offering. And you already touched a little bit on the uh, myth-making course, but maybe you can recap that and also tell us what else you're offering and where people can find you. Mm,
1: okay. So people can find me at my first com. That's Janelle Hardy, and that's spelled J-A-N-E-L-L-E-H-A-R-D-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, also Instagram I enjoy sharing on Instagram and you can click through my bio link and that's Janelle Hardy art Um, right now the thing that is most exciting me is offering the art of personal myth making which is my four-month transformational and healing memoir writing course and so we start August 27th I've already got a circle a small circle circling together there's room for you and um so if you're interested you click on the personal myth making tab but basically we just work through different themes each week it's um it's been described as life-changing um offering a reframe on your life story one woman said that it helped her remove some chips on her shoulder that she had thought she was just going to live with for the rest of her life mm-hmm. um, and and tap helped her tap into a sense of vitality and joy once those chips shifted uh, i really i really get nerdy about curating the weekly <laughs> themes and sharing really diverse interesting ways to look at the subject matter so Mm -hmm. um yeah that excites me and i try to offer a little bit of video a little bit of audio a little bit of visual i i usually create some pretty awesome pinterest boards to to spark creativity and a lot of embodiment prompts so the the one thing i didn't really touch on which um is kind of crucial to the work the healing work that i do is uh that Creativity and creative block is really pervasive and common. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of the easiest ways to shift that is to start tapping into our bodies. So embodiment work is also creative unblocking and healing work, Mm -hmm. which is really exciting because uh, it's so much more easeful than our typical ideas of how to unblock ourselves. When we start tapping into our body, it's, it's almost like it's deceptively simple, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, it's a nice paradigm to step into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so that's my biggest work right now. Um, that's what I really want to invite people into. Um, I will happily offer to anyone listening who decides to sign up uh, two free half hours one on one sessions with me if oh, you sign wow. up in- yeah, and just tell me that you you heard about it through Yarrow's podcast. <laughs> Those two little freebies are yours.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. That's really generous. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I also really love one-on-one work. and yeah. So I do one-on-one work as well. That's available on the website. Um, and then in development is a little bit of a higher-end intensive private retreat offering involving sleeping on the wild pacific ocean beach of mm-hmm. Vancouver island or on my mother's property on the banks of the yukon river in the yukon territory in canada so you know that's also available but that my sounds mother, amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's more like a an intensive container of a process you know rather than committing to 21 one-on-one sessions they mm-hmm. all they get dropped into the container of, uh, the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think
0: that's it. Yeah. We'll add the links to the show notes as well. So if people weren't able to take a note right now, don't worry. They'll be in the show notes there as well. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you for everything that you shared. I, um, I want to admit to everyone I was quite tired today and I feel like I just gave you a couple of questions and you ran with them so beautifully I was just, <laughs> I was just leaning back going oh yes, that is exactly what I needed to hear today and I'm so excited to share that so thank you so much for making my job as <laughs> host so, so oh, easy.
1: <laughs> my pleasure talk 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 you can rest <laughs> so
0: that was really great thank you so much thank
1: well you. thanks for having me on here I love what you do too so
0: thank you see you soon bye Mm -hmm. thank you so much for listening I really hope that you enjoyed the show and if you did I would really appreciate a review on iTunes That's making it a lot easier for other people to find a show and, you know, they might benefit from it too. And it's just beautiful to share these conversations with as many people as possible. If you want to support the show financially, you can also become a Patreon at patreon.com slash which gets you access to monthly ritual kits as well as courses and regular readings by me. I will link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much.